When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code SPOTIFY to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code SPOTIFY at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code SPOTIFY. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. schedule he is rod i am cameron and we are back to preview the oakland grizzlies um but first rod uh in case the listeners were wondering where the uh, the post game to virginia went that one looks to be uh canceled now it searched that it, it appeared that maybe it was postponed um but now it looks like they've canceled it uh any words on a possible uh making one up or or yeah, you know, there's a lot of stuff flying around. Um, first, you know, it was it was kind of the cancellation heard around the college basketball world because it came in on Tuesday night. I was watching was watching the end of Illinois Duke when it kind of it hit Twitter and then got onto the network very quickly, and that the UVA had a um, had a COVID issue uh, and the game was going to be postponed. And then in the post game to that Illinois Duke game, Shashevsky was asked about it and went on his whole spiel about how, um, you know, what are we doing here? And he, he thought in, in response to the UVA Michigan State cancellation, apparently, uh-huh. that we need to take a look at this. And then a couple of days later, he, he ended up, which was yesterday. We're recording this on Friday. So I guess it was yesterday or maybe, yeah, it must have been yesterday. Um, he canceled their remaining non-conference game, and I, I could go on and on about about that, but I'll, I'll I'll just say this: it strikes me as bizarre, to say the least, that what Coach K is doing in supposed support of, um, you know, being cautious uh-huh. related to COVID. Is he sending his guys home for Christmas? That's what he's doing. He said it. I'm worried about their mental health. They haven't seen their families. That cuts against everything I've heard any public health official say. Remember, for weeks we've been hearing, don't go home. Mm. Don't have a family gathering this year. He's doing the opposite, and yet there have been a few media members Pat Forte, who um, who have uh, have been very vociferous in their opinions that 
playing any sports during this period has been this incredible risk and this terrible, terrible moral failing on the part of uh, colleges and, and universities across America and the public for supporting it, apparently, who jumped right on this backing K thing. And I thought, wait a minute, where have you guys been? Haven't you been the guys worried about safety? Yeah. Because if you are, the safest place they could be is right where they're at, and you're ask, you're telling us that the reason you do this is to send them home for Christmas where theoretically they could be spreading disease to the more vulnerable. It made no sense, absolutely zero sense. But it, it, it just goes to show you how knee-jerk and unthinking many people's responses are during this. And, and there is a, and just for the record, I think there is a principled way to have objections to what is going on. I don't happen to share them, but you can have a principled objection to what is going on. Krzyzewski mm-hmm. the guy who was quoted before the season saying, we have to have an NCAA tournament. And, it, and isn't it just interesting that after two games where his team got fucking run, all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, it just, this guy is the wrong messenger. Even if you if, even if you agree with, he is the last guy who should be saying this because his track record. Let's remember mid nineties. Duke's got a terrible team one year, and all of a sudden, Coach K's got back issues. He has to sit it out, and his poor assistant Pete Gaudet gets elevated to interim coach. And by the way, all the losses they accumulated that year go on his record, not K's. Mm, is that true? That's I absolutely true. That. That's absolutely true. It's a fact. Um, so this guy's got a track record of this <laughs> and from the looks of his team, honestly, watching them, I mean, Michigan state was one thing I thought after a terrible start, Michigan state really dominated that game. And then they let their gas off the pedal in the last few minutes and it got reasonably close. But remember they had as much as I think a 16 or an 18 point lead Yeah, in that game. It was way Il- closer. Illinois handled them from start to finish. They didn't really let up. Um, I I don't know where Duke is going to finish in the ACC, but they were picked second in the preseason. I have my doubts. Even though I don't think the ACC is very good, um, I have my doubts because that's a team that looks like it's got a lot of trouble, Which then, and everybody sees it, which then leads people to wonder what's motivating this. Would he be talking this way if Duke was 5-0 and and ranked in the top five? Because that's his reputation, like it or not. Uh-huh. He's earned that with enough people. So, And the other funny thing is, I think, I think he probably thought that because he is who he is in the game, that by announcing this, it would lead this groundswell of other coaches to take up the cause. Yeah. Well, that hasn't happened. In fact, Nate you had Oates. other coaches, Nate Oates, the coach at Alabama, former coach at Romulus High School right here in southeast Michigan, called him on the carpet in a press conference. It was beautiful. Izzo has come out and said he respects Krzyzewski, of course, but he disagrees with him completely about this, about the mental health aspect, and, and he detailed why. And I think he's got a much more um, compelling view of this than Krzyzewski does. So... Anyway, that's all kind of a tangent, but the MSU-Virginia cancellation seemed to set this off. We did a bunch of cancellations before that, 
that didn't do it. Somehow Michigan State and Virginia was a, a line in the sand for some people mm-hmm. that really got this moving. But in any event, that was postponed initially. Judging by what Izzo had to say today in his press conference, it appears pretty safe to assume that it's been canceled, mm-hmm. which is really unfortunate because it was going to be, as we detailed in our preview, it was going to be another level check for Michigan State, opportunity for the Hauser brothers to play against each other, all of those things. That's not going to happen. It was interesting. I was going to be interested in what Michigan State did. Uh-huh. Did they try to replace it? And according to Izzo, it looks like they're going to next week, which was sort of surprising to me because um, that's exam week, mm-hmm. Michigan State. They normally try to avoid playing during exam week, but apparently it's going to happen. Now, what game replaces Virginia on the schedule is interesting. Uh, I have heard today that Brad Underwood of Illinois has apparently reached out to some Big Ten schools that are only on their conference schedule once, which there are several for every Big Ten team. You only play one uh, once. And that's and Michigan State. <laughs> well, Michigan State's one of them, and he mentioned he talked to Michigan State. And, and there is precedent for that. People may remember way back, I want to say it was the 0102 season, Marcus Taylor's sophomore year. I believe Michigan and Michigan State were only scheduled to play once by the league that year, so they played a second time as a non-conference game. I'm pretty sure that's correct. I didn't go back to confirm it, but I'm like 95% certain that's correct. Uh, So there is some precedent for it. I didn't hear anything from Izzo today suggesting that's the route he's going to take, though. I, I was made aware that Central Michigan, whom MSU has not played, they're the only in-state school they will have not played mm-hmm. so far, besides Michigan, that's a D1. Um, Central Michigan has availability during next week. So that might be one to watch. I have nothing other than just that fact to draw upon, but it, it kind of makes sense that they're looking for a game. Michigan State's looking for a game. Their schedule's clear. You know, they haven't played yet. They are similar, a similar opponent to the other schools that Michigan State's played besides Duke and Notre Dame. Um, it kind of makes sense. I, I don't know. How would you feel about playing Illinois in a non-conference game next week? Uh, I'd like to play West Virginia or somebody like that, but more. But, uh, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I guess you'd have to say, well, if your models play anyone, anywhere, Illinois yeah, is- I- if, the thing is, man, if it's a Big Ten opponent, you really hate to play the the the, the best one, <laughs> you know? And in a game that doesn't do anything for you in the conference, the other end of it is you could say, well, it doesn't hurt you either if you lose. But I, oh, I so just it's don't... not something that would count for the conference record? Right. It would okay. not count. It does well, not shoot, count. Yeah, it's a non-conference yeah, game. I, I don't know. I just... I mean, they're going to play Illinois at some point, so I'm not. It's not that. Oh my God, can't can't handle Illinois. I think Michigan State's got a shot, a very good shot against anybody. So, mm-hmm. I mean, may, uh, other maybe Gonzaga, uh, but I don't know. I just with Michigan, it's one thing because if you only are scheduled to play Michigan once in the league, you got to play them again. You got to play Michigan twice. That that's that I understood. Yeah. Anybody else in the league? I just don't love the idea. Um, 
and and I can't articulate a good reason, and I'll admit that that you know there are lots. Anybody who wants to disagree with me on that, I don't really have a great position other than a feeling. It just doesn't feel right. Um, plus, to be honest with you, from a Michigan State perspective, um, you know they're they're gearing up come the twentieth. Northwestern is the first Big Ten game. I wouldn't mind them having that week practice closer to what they planned, right, where you're not game planning, you're practicing, you're working on you. And if you're playing somebody like a central or somebody like that, that level, you can do more of that, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to Illinois, where if you're playing Illinois, you can't approach it that way. You got to you got to treat it like it's a war. And I don't know that that's the best thing for Michigan State. I want them to have whatever little bit of time they can get to just kind of work on themselves. That's why I honestly thought there was a chance they just wouldn't replace the game. Uh They'd keep that week uh, intact with no games, but it it doesn't look to be the case. You know, the whole thing with the cancellation, Rod, is to me it it seems like, well, the protocols have worked. I mean, yeah, we've canceled the game, but – Look, everyone got tested. I guess you'd you'd wish that maybe Virginia was a little bit earlier. Yeah, that. that was the complaint, is that it came so late in the day, Michigan State had already arrived. Like, why didn't you do it earlier in the day? And mm-hmm. I don't know enough about their how they're doing it and their scheduling to really, you know, complain about it mightily. But, um, but that, I mean, either yeah. way, the, I mean, the proto – look, the worst-case scenario what, is what you want to avoid is a team misses it they send somebody out there with COVID and gives somebody like a Michigan state, the whole team COVID. Right. And that didn't right. happen. It was prevented by the protocol. I mean, so in that yeah. sense, it is working. Yeah. And, and look, they're just, people are just going to have to understand this is how, this is how it is. Now I happen to think when we get into big 10 play, it is going to be a little different because the big 10 is kind of out on the bleeding edge of frequency of testing, you know, all of, all of those things. So I think, that the odds of, and what that means, therefore, is contact tracing shouldn't have to be as draconian in its impact as it's been. Uh-huh. I think what where we're going to get to in the Big Ten is you're going to be able to have teams that might have a COVID or a player down via COVID, but they don't cancel the games or postpone them. And if they do, they've got some they've got some time built into the conference schedule where they could replay mm. postponed games that is possible. But I, I don't think we're gonna have what we've had in football, you know, this whole Ohio State thing. Um I think every Big Ten team's gonna get their twenty games in. That's my guess. Yeah. Um so yeah, you're right. I mean it's that's one way of looking at it is hey, it worked the way it's supposed to, right? You didn't end up playing the game. Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, disappointing, but you know what can you do? And uh, you know the Michigan State goes forward, and we have open next. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rod, I'm looking at Oakland's schedule, and their league is set up so weird. They're planning on doing Saturday, Sunday, back to backs against one team the whole way. That's crazy. So yeah, like Saturday nineteenth, how... Illinois, Chicago. Then they turn around on Sunday and play Illinois, Chicago again. And then the next two is Northern Kentucky that next weekend, and then followed 
by Wright State. That's a pretty bizarre um, uh, strategy. Do, uh, do, um, but are they, I'm trying to remember what the deal is there. They're playing them at just one site, right? So it's not like they play one game at Oakland and one game at, in Chicago. Well, I'm not 100% sure. Ken Palm I has think them, that's the case. says and away I think, for both of them I, and then I, home. I, I think you're seeing some of these mid-major conferences going to that. You know, they don't necessarily have the resources or the ability to do what the Big Ten is doing in their testing. Uh-huh. So they got to try to find other ways around this. And that is something I, had, I hadn't really dialed into that, but I think that's the case, that they play the two games at one site. Because there's no way they could be doing single-day travel. Uh-huh. It just work. Um, but it's interesting. Yeah, that is... they've had a hell of a ride, though. I mean, Oakland, Oakland has just well, we can we can talk about it. Terrible start, but there are reasons for it. Yeah, so they are coming into this one zero and six on the season, um, but they've had some pretty tough sledding with um, in terms of their schedule uh, and in terms of what they've been able to do in practicing. They've lost. Uh, to Xavier by about 52 points coming out of the shoot. Uh, and then they lost to Toledo Bradley, but then they played Michigan, Purdue, Oklahoma state, all losses. However, they did take Michigan to an overtime, um, and wind up losing that one, uh, at the Chrysler center, 81 to 71. So it looks yeah, they, to be they had some, every... some, some improvement though. Anyway, yeah, they their most recent game they lost to Oklahoma State by thirteen, so not terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Michigan game they actually deserved to win. Yeah, Michigan played very poorly, and Oakland really outplayed them and had every chance, just couldn't pull it off. And then the overtime, they were clearly out of gas. It's it's an interesting team because um, you know, Oakland historically under Greg Campy, at least in this era in the last 15, 20 years where they've been pretty good, their program has generally been, the profile's been very good offensively, very bad defensively. They kind of want to outscore you. This team, although they're not very good defensively, they do one thing well. They create turnovers. But offensively, it's been a horror show. I mean, we're going to go through some of these numbers, and you're going to see what I mean. <laughs> Shooting numbers, it's just terrible. And and it's just it is what it is. They haven't had they haven't had time to practice. They had they had a major shutdown for at least a couple weeks. Might have been longer due to COVID. And Greg Campy was sick, their head coach. Um, but they haven't. They just didn't have chance a chance to practice. So that first game against Xavier you mentioned where they got whipped by like 52, they basically went into that cold. I mean, they had <laughs> no time. And they've got a lot of new guys. Mm-hmm. So there's some transfers, some freshmen. So you're trying to find some continuity with a new group, and you don't have any time to really work with them. Well, what are you going to get? You're going to get pretty bad basketball, and that's kind of been the way – that it's gone for Oakland. You know, they always play a tough schedule, uh, and they've played one this year, and it's really, you know, they've had, they've had the, the close call against Michigan, reasonable performance against Oklahoma State. On the other hand, Xavier whacked them, as you said. Bradley beat them by 14. Purdue beat the hell out of them by 30 some. So it's been up and down, but, uh, rough, rough going for, 
for Oakland for for obvious and defensible reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they and then on to add on top of that, they lose four of their top six scorers um, from right. last year. Well, that's they what I mean. Up. It's really an overhaul transition kind of year. Yeah, they lose Hill Mays, uh, Maddox, uh, and a few others. Um, but for uh, starters, they do have Jalen Moore, a five eleven JUCO transfer point guard. Um, and so far, he's 14.8 points a game, 29 from the floor, 29 from three, and 73 from the line. Yeah. Um, if you just saw the Michigan game, you would think, wow, this guy's really good. And he has the potential to be really good. But those season shooting numbers tell you that he's really struggled to hit. The one thing that's been uh, very, very strong for him has been his ability to get to the free throw line. He's a he's a very quick, very active guard. Penetrates well, draws fouls, gets to the line a lot. So that's the good news for Oakland is that he's capable of doing that. The bad news is he's been a sub thirty percent shooter, mm-hmm. and, and that's just that's tough. I think at his best, he is a comparable guy in some ways, to guards Michigan State's already seen this season, like Antoine Davis or especially B. Artis White. He's in that mold. He just hasn't shot as consistently as those guys have. Mm-hmm. He also is doing a nice job. I think he's at about five and a half assists per game, so he's doing a decent job running their offense. He was a good addition, and Oakland needed him because the past couple of years they've sort of struggled at the point, which – oftentimes was a strength for them. If you think about years where they had Johnny Jones from Okemos or Kay Felder, who was really, really good from, uh-huh. uh, from Detroit, uh, it hasn't been a strength the last couple of years. So he's important to at least give them a credible player, and he's more than credible. I think I think the shooting's going to come around by the end of the year. He'll have decent numbers, uh, and he's leading them in scoring. So, All right. Uh, and then you got Rashad Williams, 6'2", junior from Wayne, uh, who led them in scoring last year with 19 points a game. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's had some injury troubles at the start of this season, but that Oklahoma State game, he scored 32 points, which included a 10-for-20 performance from three. Wow. So we now know, and he had a couple games like that last year. You know, if you look at his – take a, what were his shooting numbers? Uh, 30 from the floor, 34 from three, and 67 from the line. And they were similar last year, too. So I looked at his – he was in the 30s from three last year as well. So I looked at his numbers last year, and it was a similar kind of pattern. There were a couple, you know, eight for 14 games, and then some games that weren't very good. So he's a guy, I would say, his track record – says he's more of a guy capable of heating up mm-hmm. as opposed to a consistently strong shooter. Um, Freshman year at Cleveland State, he had, he hit 41%. Right, and he was a good shooter in high school at Wayne Memorial. So he's he's done this, but I, I, I think if you're Michigan State, he's the guy, he and Moore are the two guys you're most focused on for sure. He's the guy you're kind of locked in on as a as a three point shooter though, because he's already demonstrated a capability to get rolling in an individual game. Mm-hmm. Um, and having seen him play, he's got a good quick release. I mean, he's he could be a tough cover. Yeah. 
Uh, and then Zion Young, 6'5", sophomore transfer from Western Illinois. Uh, 6.5 points a game, 2.7 rebounds on 25, 27, and 75. Yeah, he was a, he was a pretty good scorer last year at Western Illinois. As a freshman, he averaged almost 14 a game. So I think Oakland believes he's got more in him than he's shown thus far. He's one of many guys we're going to go over where the shooting numbers look terrible. Mm-hmm. But when you see him play, you know, he's got some athleticism to him. They think he can shoot better than he has. So he's a guy that will help him in the long run, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's been inconsistency thus far. Uh, and Trey Townsend, six six freshman from Oxford, Michigan, um, he started all six games so far, averaging 5.7 points, 4.2 rebounds, uh, 54 from the floor, 17 from three, and 78 from the line. Yeah, they, long-term, they really like him. He's one of a couple guys they've got. Micah Parrish is the other who they think are, are you know, modern or what we used to call undersized four men who have real potential. The three-point shooting has not come around yet, but they think it will. And he's active. I've seen him play. He's active. He's athletic. I, I think in the long run, he can be an effective player for them. You know, and it's a it's a good thing for Campy having some of these younger guys that he can build with for a while. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Daniel Oladapo, six seven, two twenty, JUCO transfer, um, and he's averaging seven points and five and a half rebounds, shooting forty five percent from the floor, forty two from the line. Yeah, bad free throw shooting, of course, but he's the closest thing they've got in that starting lineup to a legitimate post player, and he's not that close. You know, six seven. Oakland had the, the one game of theirs that I watched in its entirety was the Michigan game, and of course, Oakland had a lot of problems with Michigan's big men, particularly Hunter Dickinson. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and Oladipo got in foul trouble. I think he fouled out. Um, just wasn't able to stay on the floor, but he's, you know, he's got some strength to him and he competes. So I think in the horizon, he'll be okay, but Oakland's definitely missing that. You know, they've oftentimes had a pretty reasonable big man presence on Mm -hmm. that roster and they don't really have it this year in the same way they usually do. Uh, and then, so coming off the bench, Micah Parrish, six, six freshman, um, who played at River Rouge. And he averaged four point. So far, he's averaging four point seven points a game, five point seven rebounds, which leads him in twenty five minutes. Yeah, he's, he he may end up starting this game. I mean, the, the, there's it's kind of a guess between he and Zion Young, but he's a guy kind of like Townsend. You know, plays like a, a small ball four man, as you said, leading the team in rebounding. He's another athletic, active guy who they think can get better over time. Uh, in terms of his skill set. Uh, and he shot fairly well from three, 33 from the floor, 44 from three, and 67 from the line. Yep. So. Yep, yeah, he's got potential to be a stretch guy, too. Uh, and then they got Blake Lampman, uh, 6'3 sophomore from Hazlitt, who's averaging 5.3 points a game, um, but really struggling to shoot it. 20 from the floor, 18 from three, 88 from the line. Yeah, you know, Oakland's had a lot of good players and some really good shooters, the most notable being Travis Bader, uh, who was from Okemos. They've had a lot of guys like that from mid-Michigan over the years. Um, but Lampin is not shooting well at all. 
and and that's what he's there to do mm-hmm. is give them a perimeter threat. So uh, he's got to find a way to pick that up. Yeah, last year thirty four, thirty two, and third and fifty six. Right, still not great, but better than being in the teens. Yeah, uh, and then Kev, uh, Kevin Kangu, six four senior. Um, has played in all six games, but averaging 11 minutes. Uh, not much production, though. Just under two points a game, 18-25, and uh, perfect from the line. Yeah, I mean, a body at this point. A guy's uh, eating up some minutes, getting guys rest. You know, he's played more. you gotta, you got to think, as Rashad Williams continues to round back into form, a couple of these guys, and he'd be one of them, probably see their minutes shrink a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Chris Conway, 6'10", freshman um, from suburban Chicago. He's played in all six games, uh, but just about six minutes a game. Not much production, under a point a game, under a rebound a game. Yeah, that, that's an investment kind of player. Um, that, as I mentioned, they need some size. Uh, he does not look to be ready to make major contributions as a freshman, but they're playing him a little bit anyway. I think just trying to get him prepared. Mm-hmm. And uh, but he's a guy for the future, you know. I don't think it's going to be this year that we see a breakthrough, but hopefully in the next couple of years for them, you start to see him have a bigger impact because they need they need presence inside, no mm-hmm. question. Uh, and then Yusuf Jihad, six eight two twenty redshirt freshman from Farmington, uh, who's played in five games, uh, ten minutes a game, two point six points, and just a little under a rebound a game. Right, and it's, you know, again, they need some kind of size. He's played some a local product, young guy, so they have hopes that he can continue to develop. But in the in the here and now, kind of limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if we look at the keys um, now, up to number one, rebounding. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's there's no doubt about it, right? Oakland's a terrible rebounding team. They've been getting out rebounded by about twelve per game. Mm-hmm. Their percentages are not good. I mean, there's just no way around it. They're small. The eye test and the numbers tell you the same thing. But Michigan State's had trouble with teams this year that they should have pounded. Yeah, yeah. And so, particularly on the defensive glass, we need to see a dominant performance out of MSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, two poise. Yeah, I had mentioned the one thing this year that you can say Oakland does well is force turnovers. I think they're averaging, opponents are averaging almost 16 a game. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot. And if you see them play, they, they want to, Oakland's always under Campy wanted to play a 94-foot game. Uh, but this team is maybe getting after it defensively a little better than some of their other groups, at least in terms of forcing mistakes. Obviously, that's another issue that we've seen with Michigan State. They got to do a better job taking care of the ball. That would apply in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, deep shooting. So we're start of sort of been waiting for this breakthrough game from Michigan State. We thought maybe we'd see that hopefully against Virginia. Uh, that didn't right. come to fruition. Yeah, Oakland gives up a lot of three point attempts, and they're currently giving up a heavy percentage of makes against them. So on paper, at least, this would appear to be a game where Michigan State would have a real chance to get back on track. Mm-hmm. They need – that hasn't been a disaster. I mean, their their team percentage is pretty much on line with last year's. 
but it just doesn't feel better because they haven't had a game where they had three or four guys all get it rolling. It's like each individual game you've had one or two guys that have carried the load. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then pace. It shouldn't be hard in, in this game, you know. OU always wants to run, and Michigan State wants to run. And I think yeah, this goes to what we talk about often, which is establishing habits. You just want to establish good habits that you're, everybody is playing in a way they're consistently looking to push tempo and, and get into transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then rotation. Um, so I, I don't know if we have a clearer picture today than we did at the start of the season. Um just because so many of these guys have played well. Marbles played his way kind of into some more minutes. Um, what are you looking for to get out of the rotation? Well, we do we do in a little sense. I, I, I think I put in the notes that the top eight, I think, are pretty well established, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know that your starters, and the starters consistently would be Watts, Henry, Langford, um, Kithier, and uh, and Hauser. And you know that Foster Lawyer is going to play minutes as a backup point guard. And you know that Gabe Brown is going to play a lot on the wing. And you know that Malik Hall is going to play a lot on the post. The top eight, I think, has solidified. Mm-hmm. And we didn't necessarily know that at the start of the year. We didn't know how, how many minutes Langford would be able to give them. We got a better yeah, feel for true. them now. Yeah. Lawyers proven to at least be capable of handling you know, 10, 12 minutes a game as a backup, right? We yeah. didn't know that for sure. So those are knowns now. But the question is going to be, how does the rest fill in? You know, Izzo's been big on talking about how he wants to play everybody because he wants to have that as a hedge against the COVID impact that I mentioned, where you might have a guy or two sitting out, mm-hmm. but you're still playing a game. Um, I think it's unclear. Let's put it this way. Neither Marcus Bingham nor Julius Marble have definitively edged ahead of the other for a spot in the rotation, right? Yeah, They've each had their moments. Um, and I do think that may continue for a while longer because it's it's kind of opponent-dependent. But at some point, you are going to get to a stage in a Big Ten game. I think once we get into the Big Ten schedule, I don't think you can realistically be playing 12 guys. Uh, maybe he'll surprise us, but I just don't think so. I think you're going to see that shrink. So then that that then begs the question further down the line, what about Hogard? Is he going to continue to see his minutes expand? He's played a lot more the last couple games. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do they get minutes for Sissoko? You know, there's a lot of questions that are still yet to be answered, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, anything that you're looking to see? I think I heard somebody quoted Izzo as saying this is like um, – the best 0-6 team in the history of the world. <laughs> well, it's. I think he. I think he'd say that one because he has respect for their program, and and two because they have had moments. I mean, if you focus on the Michigan game, you come away from it thinking, well, Oakland's pretty decent, right? Mm-hmm. But some of these other games, you know, and granted, the Xavier game was the first. You could kind of write that off. 
Oklahoma State, their most recent game was a pretty good showing, but the one before that, between Michigan and that Oklahoma State game, was Purdue, and they got beat by 33. Yeah. And Purdue's not great right now, by the way. So, I don't know yet what Oakland is. We Oftentimes, in this game, when we do these previews, we've talked about, you know, needing to be up enough for it, that the Oakland guys treat this as a Super Bowl, you know, and that you got to match their intensity. And there have been times where Michigan State has struggled with that against Oakland. Uh, they've still, thankfully, never been beaten by them, knock on wood, but, uh, but there have been some close calls. I think it's, it's possible, but it's hard for me to imagine this one being an ultra-tight game. Mm-hmm. I do think they've got some players. They're, those two guards have ability, you know, and if they get hot, anything could happen because they're both capable of getting hot. But in over 40 minutes, Michigan State, let's put it this way, Michigan State would have to play poorly. Mm-hmm. And they're capable of doing that, but but they <laughs> Oakland can't get there with this team by just by playing well, in my opinion. That's got to be a two-way street. They got to be playing well. Michigan State's got to play very poorly mm-hmm. in order for this to be a really competitive game. I do think the good news is you would hope that the result from the Michigan game would get MSU players' attention, you know, and that it would prevent a looking past or a letdown or whatever it would be. You know, you'd hope that. We'll see if that comes to pass. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, any any thoughts on? Uh... I saw uh, Iowa put a pretty good beating on um, North Carolina as well as Illinois and Duke. Does, yeah, have have we they can, gotten your attention now? We can talk <laughs> about that. You know, the Iowa game went kind of as I expected it to. I thought North Carolina had the roster to give Garza problems because they got a lot of big bodies, mm-hmm. and they did. He didn't shoot well. He was, I don't know what he was. He was like six for 19 or seven for 20, something like that from the floor, well under 50%. Um, and he struggled. I mean, North Carolina made him – it was kind of like the Michigan State game last year, the difference being Michigan State did it with largely one guy. But um, Garza was not dominant. The problem North Carolina had is they committed so much to Garza – that they didn't do a very good job getting to Iowa shooters. And Iowa hit like 17 threes in the game. Yeah. And that's something you you just can't do. If you're going to beat Iowa, you need to be able to make, make Garza earn everything he gets, but not leave open opportunities for their shooters. I mean, they just had wide open looks. The other thing is Carolina's guards are very young and they're not that good right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen Caleb Love, their point guard. I saw him in AAU, and he was very impressive. I know he's got tools and all that, but he's just not a very good college basketball player right now. And so that hurt Carolina. The thing is, all the vulnerabilities that we talk about with Iowa were there. I mean, Carolina whipped them in transition several times. Um, You know, they had open looks. They just couldn't hit them. Uh So I'm not convinced that Iowa showed anything differently than what I expected them to. They're very, very good offensively. They're very bad defensively. I want to see them play a team that can truly test them at both ends because Carolina 
could test them in some ways, but not completely. Mm-hmm. And there will be teams that can test them there. Illinois, I thought, played very well against Duke. You know, and the thing that's really remarkable is we said in the season preview, Illinois was a rough shooting team last year. That they had to get better. Well, so far they're shooting like 47% from three as a team. Jeez. I mean, that, that's not going to keep up. But even if they're like 38 39% as a team, they're going to be very difficult to beat because their guards also do a great job at getting in the lane. They've got big men who can do damage in the post, and I think they're good enough defensively. They're not a perfect team. They're certainly not anything close to invincible. I mean, Baylor proved that. But they, you know, we picked them second, and I see no reason to feel like that was a poor choice. They looked very impressive, and as we talked about at the outset, I don't think Duke looks very good. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to remember other games that caught my attention. Some disappointing losses. Uh, Northwestern had a game won against Pittsburgh, and they let it slip away. And I actually had seen the previous game Northwestern had played against, I think it was Chicago State. And it was a blowout win, but they looked better. You know, we said in the previews that the end, the back end of the conference, Northwestern, Nebraska, those teams aren't going to be contenders all of a sudden, but they're going to be better. And I do think Northwestern looks better, but that was kind of a disappointing loss for them. Nebraska had a disappointing loss. Maryland kind of got run. On the other hand, I will tell people, if you're interested in a fun watch, any game that Penn State is in this year qualifies. <laughs> yeah, Penn State's been They are else. wild. I mean, I saw them have VCU down. Seemingly had the game in control. They let them back in, and then they, Penn State hits a shot at the buzzer to win it. Then the next game, they were facing, who the hell was it that they were playing? They, they gave away a massive lead, like a 20-point lead, and lost. Um, Seton Hall. And then they bounced, they bounced back, and they blew out a ranked Virginia Tech team. Mm-hmm. So that's who Penn State is. You know, we had talked about it in the preseason preview that – they had a lot of guards who were capable of going off, you know. But I didn't even expect. They're playing, you know, Pat Chambers played kind of a fast pace. It's beyond that. This team is just wild. And and that's going to mean that they're going to hang in there or maybe even beat some people you don't think they will. And they're also going to lose some games that you're you're stunned mm-hmm. and you can't understand how. So, but but fascinating and and interesting to watch because they'll play so fast that you'll be entertained watching them. So I thought that was um, I thought that was good. Uh, I really? came close but lost in overtime to Florida State. So again, we're left with Indiana. We're left with the same issue they've had under Archie Miller all along. They're pretty good defensively. They just don't have enough offensively, and their guard play does not look much better. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a problem. Uh, Purdue coughed up a huge lead in uh, in their game and ended up getting beat. That was disappointing, especially because they had Eric Hunter back for the first time this year. So Purdue's already lost twice. Um, not looking to me like a great year in West Lafayette, but we'll – Minnesota we'll is looking pretty good. That Booth Gotch is 
the real deal. For Minnesota, yeah, they had a struggle to win that game against Boston College, but they did it. Yeah, he's good. Marcus Carr is Marcus Carr, but they've got some problems. Kalsher especially is not. He's been slow. We yeah. said he needed to be back to where he was as a freshman. He's worse than last year right now. So overall, you know, Big Ten wins it six five with three games canceled. They were six and one in the opening night. Um, but yeah, overall, not a, not a lot in the way. So the one surprise to me is I honestly did think Duke would put up a better fight. I thought they'd pose a challenge to Illinois when they went small ball, and it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, you know, more or less it went according to you know according to plan. All right. Well, until the uh, post game of Oakland, the Final Four is not on the schedule. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. <laughs>